0: on the google play or app store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today
1: getting ready to take
0: on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more save on select steel battery tools right now save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set real steel find yours at steeldealers.com with AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger offer valid for limited time only while supplies last see participating dealer for details
2: as a guide and hunter I've spent thousands of days in the field This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. This podcast is presented by Yeti, built for the wild. You've hunted hard and waited all season for this one opportunity. Here's your chance. A buck is now walking down a trail towards you. He's within bow range as you come to full draw. Or maybe you're set up across a canyon with your crosshairs on a bull elk that's starting to walk away and then stops. Everything's right. You just need to release the arrow or pull the trigger. But there's one important thing. Where do you aim? This week on the podcast, I want to cover advanced shot placement. I want to talk about the major mistakes that I see with shot placement and how to pick an aim point for a lethal shot every time. As hunters, making a clean ethical kill is one of the most important skills to have and to know. So I wanna cover the basics of anatomy, an animal's body position and angle when you're taking a shot, and then ways to read an animal's body language to make sure that you're taking a shot at the right time. But first, I wanna tell you of one of my favorite bow hunts for fallow deer down in New Zealand. There's really just something I love about chasing fallow deer, especially during the rut. Uh, New Zealand has some great opportunities for fallow deer, and I'm really fortunate that I have permission to hunt a really good piece of property that reminds me a lot of where I hunt in northern Nevada or central Idaho. It's kind of canyon country, lots of rocks, big open, lots of glassing, and it's just an incredible spot for spot and stock fallow deer. On this particular hunt, I was hunting with a good friend of mine, Shane Dorian. Now Shane's pretty much a legend. I think it'd be fair to call him a legend in the big wave surfing world. But what you might not know about Shane is he's also an incredible bow hunter and he loves bow hunting. So it was awesome to get the opportunity to hunt with him. And I just wanted to take him to this place to hunt fallow deer because one, it's just an incredible hunt. And two, you get some awesome stalks. It's just a really good time and there's some really great bucks there. So the first day we went out, we were walking in this ridge where I'd actually seen some pretty good deer the year prior. Figured we'd start there. during the fallow deer rut. So fallow deer croak. They make like a... I'll do it with my voice. It's more of like a frog pig sound there. <coughs> 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 and that's croaking. And then they, they croak on their pads. So they clear out this area... And it's like a rut pad, and they stand there and they'll croak in the pads to attract the females, assert their dominance, kind of like elk bugling, but they make this croak noise. Very vocal animals. So we're sitting up on the ridge first thing in the morning, and I hear some <laughs> down in the canyon, and it's just echoing because we're on the this point. And there's three or four finger canyons that come around. Now we can't see down into the bottom of these canyons, but I can tell this this one just sounds he's going off pretty good. So I work down the draw, get to a point where we're trying to look up into this, these draws. And I end up seeing this buck and it was a pretty good buck. He had everything you look for, big palms, good fronts. He was just a a solid deer. We thought, okay, I think we can make a play on this buck. So he's got a group of, of does and in this country, it's so open. The deer see you and they just they start running from sometimes a mile two miles away so you have to make really long stalks around stuff to get into position the other thing that's working against you is there's just a lot of deer so you spook one deer and they just start running for miles so these ones happen to be below this good ledge. So I thought, let's get in there. Maybe hopefully they'll stay in there. It's, it looked like that buck was croaking on this pad that he maybe he'll stay there a little bit longer. And he's got those does down below the cliff. So if we get up above him, the wind was good. Might be able to get a shot. We end up working in, crawling up the face of this pretty steep cliff, working down to this ledge. And we don't see the deer, but I can still hear him down there croaking. Well, sure enough, we look down and these fallow does start funneling below our feet like right below us underneath us and now here comes the buck we can see him just his antler tips before we can see his body Shane draws back and the angle's so steep i mean he's literally got the buck right below him and he's pretty much shooting straight down it's like one of the most steepest angled shots i've ever seen taken it was pretty awesome so he shoots the buck worked out great we end up getting this buck it's a, it's a really good deer And it was just an awesome hunt. So now it's my turn to hunt because I've shot deer there. I wanted to make sure he got a good buck first. So I pick up my bow and the next day we go out. I'd spotted the buck the day before. So we kind of had seen a couple other deer that looked pretty good while we were packing that buck out. So we kind of went back to the same area. I was glassing one way. Shane was glassing another. It's about mid morning at this point. We'd seen a few goats, uh, wild feral goats. And some smaller bucks, but nothing I really wanted. And then we come around this rock point. Shane looks up and he spots this deer bedded in the canyon below us. So I'm like, "Get down, take a look." I'm like, "That's that's a nice buck. He didn't have the didn't have the big palms like his did, but it was just an old, mature buck, like heavy and." probably regressing. They get really heavy. Their their paddles get really wide and one side kind of started to look uneven from the other. It was just an old mature buck, and I thought, yeah, that's I would take that buck for sure. And the cool thing about it was he was bedded in a spot by himself and it looked like a pretty good approach. The trouble was going to be that I would have to shoot cross canyon. So if I made any mistakes, he might be able to see me drawing and shooting, but there was enough cliffs and contour that I think I could get a shot at him. And that's the only way for the wind as well. So I waited, I watched the buck fell asleep. So I was like, perfect. This is my time to make a move I make my move in and get set up. Unfortunately, I would have taken a shot where he was laying, but he just was at a wrong, at the wrong angle. I kept trying to look with my binoculars and think about how I could get maybe a quartering away shot. But the way he was laying down, his shoulder blade was right over his vitals. and It is more of a quartering two shot. So, I just thought, okay, I'm just going to sit here, be patient, wait. He has no clue I'm here. I've got a good, bigger, bolder kind of covering my outline, but I can see him. So, if he gets up, I'll be able to make a move and he shouldn't be able to see me. So, I range the deer and think, okay, but I'm looking at the deer and I think, man, this deer's really close. So I take my range finder out. I've got plenty of time and I range it. It's like 50 yards. I'm like, wow, shoot. That's a little, that's about as far as I would want to shoot. You know, I want to make sure everything's right for this, but I'm just thinking to myself, God, this looks really, really close. Maybe it's just because it's a big bodied buck in the open. He just looks big. So I, I don't think anything of it. And I'm sitting there waiting for him to stand up. Well, he finally stands up. I come to full draw. He's like looking around feeding, takes maybe one step. I wait for the perfect shot, settle my 50 yard pin where it should go, release the arrow. The arrow sails over his back a ways and sticks into the ground above him. He like ducks down and looks and starts staring at the arrow. I thought, oh my gosh. And it was was fairly, the wind was in my face. So I don't think that he heard my shot go off, but all of a sudden there's this arrow in the dirt above him. I'm like, how did I miss it by that much over his back? So I was like, man, it just looks closer. I Maybe something was wrong. Maybe I misranged him. I don't know. I was like, how often do you get two shots at the same deer? I mean, this should be a story where I just flat out missed and this buck got away. And yet I think because it went over his back and stuck in the dirt, it didn't hit any rocks or anything. He just was kind of confused. And now looking at this arrow... He'd maybe jumped a a few jumps, but wasn't much further. And I could actually see the deer and the arrow at full draw. So I put my 50 yard pin on him again because that's what I thought the range was. And then I just saw the arrow in the dirt over there and moved my bow at the same level he was. It was right on my 30 yard pin. So I thought, God, that just, I, I felt like the shot was good. Something was wrong. He looks close. I'm just going to shoot for what that would be because my thought was, all right, if that's where the arrow hit and I used my 50-yard pin, wherever that arrow hit should be the distance that it was if my first shot was good. So I readjusted, shot him for 30. I put it right in the crease, what I like to call the perfect triangle, right in the shoulder, but not in the blade of the shoulder. And I'll talk about that later, but I set all the 30-yard pin, released the arrow perfect pass through buck runs, maybe 10, 20 yards and just tips over. So what ended up happening was somehow my range finder was broken. I don't really know what was wrong with it, but I tried ranging other things and everything I ranged said 50 yards, 50 yards, 50 yards. I should have trusted my instinct on saying, no, he's actually 30 yards, but he looked close and I just figured, well, I had time to range him. Might as well range him. Turned out he was only 30 yards. But it was pretty awesome to walk up on that buck and know that I got one a very rare second chance and two was able to adjust and make a perfect shot and it all worked out. But I just we just had to laugh afterwards because I, I was like, what is going on here? I thought I'd miss the buck, then he's staring at the arrow, then I get another shot and it was a pretty awesome, pretty awesome trip, pretty awesome experience. Shane came down, we got some photos, cut him up, butchered him up, and then packed him out. I can't really talk about shot placement without covering the four things that I think are the most important when it comes to shooting an animal. That includes anatomy, body position, body angle, and reading the animal. So I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the body position of the animal, the body angle of the animal, and then just understanding what movements it might make, how it's acting, how it might react to your arrow, to your shot, whether it's moving, whether it's stopped all that kind of stuff. So, I want to cover that, but I first want to talk about a few of the mistakes I've seen through guiding and what is probably the most common mistake of new hunters and even guys that have been doing it for a while. You know, guiding in New Zealand, guiding in Montana, and just hunting a lot of other places, I have tend to find that most people shoot animals too far back. I think it comes down to a couple of things. First off, Whitetail actually have larger lungs than a lot of other animals. You could shoot a whitetail mid body and still clip lung. But when you start hunting other species or other animals, that's not always the case. It tends to be that everybody has the idea of you're supposed to aim behind the shoulder. Now, while that is true in many cases, in many instances, it's not always true. Saying aim behind the shoulder in many scenarios may be too far back or it's just not the right part of the shoulder. I think people get confused on what the shoulder actually is. So I tend to find a lot of animals get shot in the liver or even further back accidentally, or that's just where they aimed and thought it was going to be a good shot. Very few when I'm guiding are shot perfectly. And I think it's because people have the misconception of where to aim and where to aim is not always the same. So if it's quartering towards you, quartering away, we're going to talk about all that where your aim point should be. I think the first thing to talk about in understanding shot placement is going to be the anatomy. So if you're looking at say the anatomy of a caribou versus a American bison versus a bear versus a javelina versus a whitetail versus an antelope, they're all very similar, but they're all very different in some ways as well. Um, things like wild pigs have a larger shoulder and vitals tucked further up in their bodies, whereas a whitetail has their lungs further extending further back. I think if we're just going to give you a rundown of basic anatomy, it's something that's going to be hard to talk about for every species. So there's one thing that I suggest is whatever you're hunting, study some anatomy diagrams. There's plenty of them online. You should really understand where the vitals are in every animal you're hunting. But I also want to talk about where's the perfect place to take a shot. Now, you have to consider a few things when you're talking about the perfect shot placement. One, you want the most room for error. So, you want a large center mass where if you make a mistake up, down, left, right by a small margin, you're still going to make a perfect shot. The other thing is knowing how and when to shoot so that when you do aim at that perfect spot, you're going to hit it and the animal won't react or something won't be in the way because you can aim at one spot and depending on the position of the leg or the way the animal's facing, that might not be the right spot. So, let's talk a little bit about the things that are true in almost all the species that we hunt as far as anatomy goes. It involves with, I'm going to break down the philosophy of aim behind the shoulder and then I'm going to tell you where to aim and and base that off anatomy so when you think about a shoulder when you're looking at a deer or an elk we'll just go with a deer the shoulder is obviously in the front leg but what a lot of people don't realize is the way the bone structure runs in the shoulder so in ungulates you have the scapula which would be like our shoulder blade their shoulder blade is attached to the humerus like a knuckle joint but it's almost at a 45 angle so if you if you put your arms straight up and out and then you moved your hand At a 45 degree angle that is the shape of what i would consider the shoulder so there's this area i like to call it it's like a triangle area and you if you look at some anatomy diagrams you'll you'll really start to understand this better but that that triangle area within the shoulder right behind that houses there's ribs but then there's the heart and lungs now i tend to find that the best placement for a shot is in that triangle. So, you aren't hitting any bone in the scapula, in the humerus. You're going right through. And so, in order to even hit the heart, you have to hit the lungs as well because it's set up inside the lungs. So, you hit the heart, lungs. If you're a little high, you hit the lungs. If you're a little low, you hit more heart. But that is the most effective shot placement to take an animal. No, there's going to be people. So you got to just wait because there's probably people chomping at the bit saying, no, that's bad because if you're high, you'll hit the scapula. That's a bad shot. You should aim further back. Yes and no. I'm just saying that to give you the idea of the anatomy. I prefer to shoot things more in the shoulder, but I'm also very careful where I aim and I understand the anatomy completely. Yes, if you make a mistake a little far forward, a little far back, you might make a bad shot. Now, that's... An area in the shoulder. So if you're looking at the animal, it looks like it's all part of the shoulder. Then you've got the crease back behind. And that crease would be the back of the shoulder that you see where the muscle is. And that crease is still within the lungs and still a great spot to shoot. I think a lot of people, when they say behind the shoulder, they're talking about that crease in the shoulder. And for most animals, If you aim there, that's great. Now, where I think a lot of people make the mistake is they say behind the shoulder and they put it two or three inches behind that crease. And now they're aiming at the liver, especially depending on the angle of the animal. They're already putting it in a spot where it might be too far back. Me personally, I prefer to aim a little bit tighter into the shoulder. And we'll kind of talk about that here in a little bit.
0: There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store, or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This episode is brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced? Brake light fixed? Quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop. To get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things do it yourself. And you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto O R E I L L Y O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater.
1: We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of Sea Foam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on Sea Foam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam Foam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeaFoamWorks to learn more.
2: So, once you understand the anatomy, the most important thing before taking any shot to take an ethical shot is going to be first the body position of the animal. Now, some of this might sound basic, but we're going to get into some more advanced stuff in a little bit. So just track with me. Here's the basic positions that an animal could be in. So broadside, that's going to just be completely side on to you. It's completely perpendicular to your view, to your point of impact, whether it's your air, whatever your arrow is where you're shooting, that animal standing completely perpendicular to you. Now you have quartering away, that's where its front is a little bit more at an angle away from you and its rear end is towards you. Then you have quartering to you, that's where its front shoulders are towards you, its rear end's more away from you. Then you have frontal shot facing you and then facing away from you. So that would just be like, all you've got is its back end. So out of that, quartering to broadside, quartering away, facing you, facing away. The best shot, in my opinion, is always quartering away or slightly quartered away and broadside. Now, I think a shot that's very difficult to make ethically, but if you understand it properly, you can still make a great shot is quartering to you because the trouble is, is the shoulder, the front of the shoulder, there's a point in the shoulder I didn't talk about where the scapula meets the humerus and I call it the knuckle. It's the lower part. It's the furthest forward point of the shoulder bone structure. If you hit that, Most likely, you won't get into the vitals. Uh, If you're bow hunting, your arrow will stop there. If you're rifle hunting, you'll probably blow the shoulder up, but it won't kill the animal. So you'll have to take a follow up shot. It's not a good shot. It's not a good place to hit. And when an animal's quartering to you, that knuckle is really protecting the vitals. And then you've got the scapula as well. So you've got a lot of things working against you. Also, if you then go, okay, I'll aim behind the shoulder at that quartering to you angle, putting an arrow or a bullet behind the shoulder is now having your trajectory going through non-vital areas or areas that aren't as quick and clean killing like the lungs and heart you might hit in that scenario, the liver or intestines. So that's not a great position. Now, a lot of guys ask about body position on elk facing you. That can be a good shot if you know what you're doing, but also there's a lot of room for error and then facing away, never a good shot. Yes, there are guys that have intentionally shot them. They call it Texas heart shot. The trouble with that is it's not a very clean kill. There's a lot of margin for error, and you're going to kind of taint the meat because you're hitting the intestines. So the two shots that you want to look for, quartering away, broadside. So now we also have to talk about the body angle. Where is that front shoulder on the animal? Is their leg back Is their leg forward? Is he quartering two with his leg forward? Is he quartering two with his leg back? Is the animal quartering away with his onside leg back? Maybe it's even bedded. What's its body position there? What's that shoulder blade doing? What's that scapula doing? Where is it positioned in relationship to where your point of aim should be. So if it's legs, the best shot is always when it's onside leg is forward because that generally pulls the, opens up the vitals to the shooter. So that way your first point of impact, especially with a bow is in the vitals without obstruction from bone, from possibly hitting something you don't want to hit. And it stretches out that key area of lungs, center of the lungs where you should be aiming for. So if you were to ask me, where is the best place to aim? I always think of it like this. What I want to do is I want to send a bullet and arrow, whatever, through the center of the lungs. If you hit through both lungs, that animal will expire extremely quick. Also, if you go through the lungs and the heart, that's also a great option, but you want the least amount of room for error. So what I do is I kind of think of wherever I'm aiming, I want the arrow to exit through the triangle that I talked about earlier in between below the scapula above the humerus behind that point somewhere in that triangle of the opposite shoulder so I'm always aiming for the opposite shoulder so if it's perfectly broadside I'll aim just inside the crease I follow the onside leg up and I put it right in that triangle there because I know that I've practiced with my weapon and I'm going to make that shot effectively that's where I aim now if you're maybe a little bit newer and you feel a little uncomfortable with that, then I would go just right back at the back widest point of that triangle and aim right there. So like right in the crease, dead center, center mass of the animal there. Cause then you have margin of error up and down a little bit left and right, but I'm aiming for that arrow or bow bullet or whatever to exit through the center of that opposite shoulder. So if you think about it now, let's imagine how this works is if you have a deer turn quartering away what i do is i find the opposite leg i follow up the opposite leg and then where that intersects with the center of the body that's where i shoot because that's going to be the point that the straight path travels through so i'm always aiming for the opposite side of the shoulder now if you're shooting down from say a tree stand it's a little bit different, but you're also going to think, okay, I'm aiming for the center or slightly lower shooting through. So you always visualize whatever you're shooting to go completely through, and you want to know where it's going to go completely through the center of both lungs. So I'm still aiming for that center point, but I'd be aiming higher because I'm shooting down to get through the center point of the opposite side shoulder. Now where it gets a little confusing is, okay, well, what if it's quartering two. A lot of people think, well, the shoulder's there. On a quartering two shot, I do the same thing. I'm aiming for the center of the opposite shoulder. So I would track up from the one leg, from the opposite leg, depending on how their legs are, I guess. But where is that arrow going to exit? How is it going to exit through that other side shoulder? And most of the time on a quartering two shot, I'm shooting inside the shoulder. So I'm shooting on the inside of the shoulder blade, which would be like more toward the neck. So it exits through the other side because I know that there's bone and other thing in the way when it's quartering too. But like I said, whatever the shot angle is, I'm aiming for the opposite side of the shoulder. And I can't say that enough, but once you kind of start to think in that realm, you're going to have more effective shots and you're going to know where to place your crosshairs. I always tell people as well, if it's broadside, start by following the leg up and then the center of that, you can go back an inch or two. But if you do that and you realize that looking through the scope, now that crosser is lined up with further back and not going out through the shoulder, then you're probably going to have to adjust. So quartering away shots are the best shots. You really can't go wrong with quartering away because you're shooting toward everything. Everything's open up. You don't have the ribs. That's why a slight quartering away shot, in my opinion, is the best shot. Then followed by broadside, especially if the front legs forward really opens up the vitals to you, gives you a good, clean, ethical shot. Now, one thing that you have to consider is the movement of the animal and understanding really just being able to read the animal. So a few things that I always look for, and by looking for these things, really calms me down in the moment and lets me pay attention to what's going on. So the first thing about reading an animal is, are they alert to your position? Are they alert to you? And understanding what are they doing? So is the animal moving? Are they stopped? Are they stopped and alert? Are they feeding? What are they doing? Understand what's that deer doing and what's he going to do next based on his body language, based on his temperament, based on the scenario that you're in. Because one thing you have to consider, especially with deer that are more used to surviving and living in thicker cover, is they use a lot of reaction based on sound and, and quick movement and sight at close range. So they're more likely to jump the string. Things like white tails, axis deer, you know, I actually even find antelope do jump the string quite a bit when hunting at a waterhole, but not out in the open. And what's jumping the string or whatever is if you're bow hunting right when you release the arrow, does the animal jump and react? Now, if it's aware of your presence and knows you're there, it's probably more likely to react. That might include ducking or, or moving down. So if you aim at the right spot, that animal moves. Well, now you had it at the center and you hit high in an area that's not vital, not lethal, or it jumps forward and you end up not hitting it where you want that's why understanding and reading the animal is so important because it lets you anticipate where you may have to aim based on certain species and other things. So, let's talk about walking first. Generally, I would say you should only shoot at animals that are stopped. Now, there's a lot of ways to stop an animal. I mostly use a grunt or a whistle depending on what type of species it is. And the reason you do that is because it's better to have a a stopped shot. Now, a lot of time, when you make a grunt or whistle that immediately lets the animal know that there's something there they might look over at you hopefully you're already on them when you stop them and you can take a shot before they really realize what's going on so i grunt and shoot almost simultaneously the second it stops uh, shoot now i'm trying to time that to where it's gonna hear the sound as its foot's back and moving forward so it stops with its leg and looks over if i can It's especially important with rifle shots too, because an animal might be moving across a hillside. If you can stop it, you're going to have a better shot. Now, there are times on a walking animal where I will take a shot, but I have practiced those moving shots and I know the right amount of lead for that. And in those instances, I'm generally aiming further forward in that triangle so that if they do continue to move, that arrow will still hit the vital area. One thing that I see a lot, and probably another reason that a lot of people, when they do make a bad shot, happens to be back, is because they'll be shooting at a stopped animal, but as they shoot, whether it's a bow or a rifle, that animal will then begin to walk. So, as they're shooting, their brain doesn't really register that the animal's about to move. As they squeeze off, they were at one point, and that animal's already in the process of moving or going to move, in which case, as they move forward, that may... Might make the shooter's point of impact, depending on how far it is, an inch to four inches further back. One thing that I always consider is if I'm watching for someone else, it's a lot easier. If you're the shooter, you're focusing in on the animal. So it's not as easy to watch their body positions and their movements. But some things to look for is a lot of deer, especially white tail mule deer, you'll see if they aren't moving a lot, they're just kind of grazing, moving around, they flick their tail a few times before they take a step. So it's tail flick, step, tail flick, step, other animals, their ears twitch or move, they move their head before their body. So you'll notice just watching for those kind of movements and what the deer or elk or other animals doing might lead you to believe whether they're gonna take a step or not. So if I'm spotting for someone that's about to take a shot, say a rifle shot, if I see that tail flick, I say, wait, he's gonna take a step. Then as soon as he takes a step, When he stops shoot you're better off shooting at the beginning of a stop than at the end of a stop and waiting for a long time so if the animal has no clue that you're there what i'm talking about is say you're set up with a rifle and the deer stopped he's not alert to your position he's not focused on anything he's just kind of browsing so his head's down he's feeding put the crossers there and wait he might get a tail flick. Okay. He takes one more step as he steps and stops with that leg forward. Boom. That's when I shoot and I make it instantaneous on that stop. So I know that I'm not going to catch him in another step. Another thing too, if you're say rifle hunting, having somebody make a noise to stop them, that deer's alert. But by that point, they're stopped. They're looking in your direction, especially if it's two, 300 yards out. Maybe they were walking, you've stopped them, now they're looking toward the shooter, but they're stopped in a position where you can make a shot. One thing you always have to remember is just really analyzing the animal's body position. Are they truly broadside or are they slightly quartering to? Are they slightly quartering away? And then taking that knowledge of how their body position is and focusing in on where you should shoot. Picking the right spot to shoot really does make you more successful makes a track job easier. It is an ethical clean kill. That's what we strive for. I know like with bow shooting, I shoot a lot of 3D targets and really don't base where you should aim on a 3D target. A lot of the anatomy on those targets is pretty wrong. A lot of the the 10 rings on 3D foam targets is quite a bit further back. And maybe that leads to guys shooting a little bit further back on most species as well. You know, just remember, Pay attention and do a little bit of research. If you're hunting a new species, you're you're new to hunting, really study the anatomy of the animals you're going after. Understand where that shoulder blade is and, and where everything is in relation to each other. Another thing you should think about is after you get an animal down successfully... As you're skinning it out, move the leg forward and back, feel where the bones are and and how that relates to the anatomy and where you should be shooting. The more you can study that, the better off you're going to be. I I really truly believe that the difference between the most successful hunters, the guys that come back successful all the time, the guys that come back with, oh man, I made a bad shot or I missed, uh, I I didn't shoot him in the right place. We had to track for a long time. We ended up getting him the difference is paying attention to how the animal's reacting and really just picking the right point whether it's understanding if it's quartering to you quartering away all that is just key in the follow-up so making a good shot is the most important thing in my opinion but the next portion to that would be tracking and, and how you react and what you do after you take a shot and maybe what you do after you make a not so good shot things do happen. We try to do everything in our power to make that perfect shot every time. But no matter how good you are, there might be those times where you made a bad shot, something happened, something unexpected happened. You didn't anticipate the right amount of movement and something went wrong. So next week, I want to talk about the next step to this, which would be trailing and reactions after a shot. Last week I did some questions and answers. I really appreciate those coming back in. I've got already quite a few this week so we'll get back to some of those questions here in a few episodes but we're gonna talk about this for now and then anything else you guys would like to hear as always feel free to shoot me the email Remy at the com or on social media at Remy Warren mostly on Instagram. Everything else is just populated from Instagram so that's kind of the only one that I use. This week's homework. Everybody needs to go online for shot placement and anatomy of animals. That's really what you want to do is just study the anatomy of whatever you're going to be hunting and even get a couple of different species side by side and look how those compare to each other. So your homework this week, research some anatomy. So that way, when you're in the field, you can make sure you always make a perfect ethical shot. How would I even end this one? Shoot straight, I guess. All right. Yeah. Until next week, Shoot straight, everyone.
1: Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers will rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling
0: the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to Land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.